Okay, so how's everybody doing? Show us thumbs. How are you doing? How are you this morning? Give me your, we got, we got thumbs yeah. up over here. You have an okay thumbs going on. How are you guys doing? Show us thumbs. How are we, how are we feeling? We're feeling okay? Um, so this morning we're in week three of how, uh, we're in week three of Open Your Bible, and today we're talking about how. The first week we talked about why. Why should we open our Bible? So if you missed that week, you can go back to the podcast, listen to it. Last week, Will talked about what is the Bible, that the Bible is true, the Bible is enough. Anyone else remember what those other ones were? Will, what else? Living and active. Complete. Nice, you guys got it. So last week was what is the Bible, and today we're talking about how to read the Bible. And we're just kind of starting, um, starting this conversation. We're not going to finish it today. Um, and the hope would be that we'd actually practice reading the Bible today here, right? Because I kind of feel like we can talk about it, but if we actually don't try to put it into practice, it's just going to leak out of our brains. Um, so today we're talking about how. And if we're honest, uh, I guess if I'm honest, there are a lot of ways that I've read the Bible that have not been good and have not been healthy um, and are actually really toxic ways that I've read the Bible in the past. Um, and, like, I still fall into these things. In the past, I'm perfect now. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you, Nathan, for being the first person to laugh. I don't know if I take that. So um, here's, here's the deal. Um, have you ever had the moment where uh, you recognized for the first time that something was bad and unhealthy, and you had no idea, and you had just been, like, you know, eating that thing or doing that thing, and then you realized, oh, this isn't good, and then you had, like, a wake-up moment? Anyone else have that wake-up moment? Yeah. Um, I've had many of those in my life. One of them was two Fruity Pebbles, which my, I, I love Fruity Pebbles. I was like, I'm eating breakfast. It's great. And my brother was like, it's cardboard. You shouldn't do that. And I looked at the nutrition facts, which just ruined food for me, let's be honest. You know what else ruined food for me? When they took the nutrition facts and they started to shove it up on the menus in places, right? I used to love, uh, favorite thing, favorite thing, Chick-fil-A milkshakes, right? Has anyone ever had a Chick-fil-A milkshake? They are amazing. Let's just be honest. It's Sunday, so you can't even go to Chick-fil-A today because uh, it's closed. The one day I crave it every week. And actually, uh, Matt worked at Chick-fil-A a long time. And I, Matt would talk to me about all the new items that they're making at, at Chick-fil-A. And um, so they have a different shake for every season, right? They have, they have peach. They have uh, peppermint. Coffee, sh- they're bringing back coffee. They're bringing back the coffee shakes. You guys can go. So I love these shakes. So I would eat a full Chick-fil-A meal, right? And I'd still be hungry because you just eat it so fast that your brain doesn't catch up with your, something happens where you don't realize you're full. Um, full send. Um, so you, you recognize, you don't recognize you're full. And so the, you just like, okay, I'm gonna have a shake and you have the shake. Anyways, okay, long story short, they ended up putting these things on the, on the, on the menu so you see how many calories. And it's like 1,200 calories for the shake. And it's like, you're only supposed to have like, 1,500 calories a day, and you're like 2,000 calories a day, whatever it is now, and it's, it's probably based off of your weight and your age and what car you drive. I don't know. But the, the point is um, I don't have milkshakes anymore, right, because it ruined it for me. If They, they shouldn't have told me. I would have kept eating it. Um, I shouldn't have told you. It's on the menu, Trevor. Um, there are other things in my life that I know are bad that I have not changed, like Diet Coke. Um, so... Like the Diet Coke habit, a Diet Coke contains aspartame, and it actually, like, yeah. is, it's what they give cows to make cows eat more. 
So you won't have more. Anyways, if you, want to, if you have a Diet Coke addiction, we'll just talk about how we don't want to change. Here's the thing. So today, today I'm going to tell you some ways that I've read the Bible that have been really unhealthy for me. And once I recognized that really these were killing my spiritual faith, um, they, were, they were killing my soul, and they, I wasn't finding rest in them, um, that after I saw that, and I was like, oh, shoot, I, ha- I can't do this anymore. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to swing by some of these, and so we're going to talk about how not to read the Bible, um, how I basically how I read the Bible for a long time and still um, fall into. And then we're going to talk about how to read the Bible. Cool? That's the, the tracking for people who are type A, and you can also see how not to and then how to. The first one Will talked about last week, it's called the craving approach. The craving approach. So you can just write craving as one. Uh, and he, he showed, he had this candy here last week. And he, he's like, oh, what are you feeling? What are you, what are you craving for? Oh, are you, you know, can I have someone toss me a Bible? Is there a Bible somewhere? I'm going to use this a lot. Um, so, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going through a lot of, I have a lot of anxiety. Okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to read verses on anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, right? I'm going to go to um, cast every, uh, cast your uh, anxiety on me, and I will um, provide for you. So I, you go to these different verses, and you get your fix for what you're going through in the moment, right? So I'm really craving uh, verses about, um, I don't know, my identity and feeling loved, and I don't feel loved. And then you just open the Bible, and okay, you're going to find a place. Um, you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, and oh, and I feel better. Um, and so we don't really take into the context of what we're reading. We just kind of find things that make us feel good and, and eat them. And so the next day, what am I feeling? Oh, I'm going to find something on that. Um, and that's called the craving approach. The problem is that the Bible doesn't work in this way. The Bible doesn't always make you feel good. You will open up the Bible, and it will say, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can trust it? Follow your heart. Wait, the Bible just said my heart is deceitful. Like, the Bible doesn't make you feel good about a lot of things. Um, that if you don't leave the Bible, um, it, it, if you don't leave the Bible sometimes feeling challenged, a little frustrated, um, then you're probably not reading the Bible. You're just reading parts of the Bible that you want to read. Um, there was this guy, Thomas Jefferson. You guys probably have heard of him. And what he did to the Bible is he went through this, this, it's called the Jeffersonian Bible. He went through and he cut out all the things in the Bible that he didn't like, he didn't want to read. So literally, there's a Bible with just holes in it. That's dumb, right? You're like, why would you do that? I believe in the Bible. And it's like, things are falling out. Um, But a lot of us, we do this. We just take the things that that taste good to us and we leave everything else there. Um, And uh, so that's the craving approach. And it was really um, suffocating um, and killing my faith because it wasn't giving me the nutrition that I actually needed. Uh, the, the next one is called the debit card approach. Uh, you guys are like, oh, what's a debit card? Who has, a, who has like a card for monies and stuff? I have five. A lot of you. That is dangerous. Um, is it hooked up to your parents' account, or do you guys have your own account? That's great. When I was in high school, my parents were like, this goes to our account. There's nothing wrong that's going to happen here. Um, and, yeah, that's when my in-and-out addiction began. So uh, the debit card approach. Um, here's the thing. A lot of us, we wake up in the morning, and we want to, it's kind of like an ATM. We want to take out what we need for that day. Yeah. So I'm going to take out my money that I need for that day. I'm going to take out my, my spiritualness that I need for that day. And the next day, I'm going to come, and I'm going to take out what I need for that day. Um, but I want us to start not thinking about the Bible like a debit card, where, okay, I need something. Give it to me. But it's more of a savings account. But if you spend time with God every morning, there might be a day 18 years down the road where you look back and you remember a verse or, or something you were reading in scripture that really holds you up in a time where you have the, just this dark night of the soul where things are going crazy 
and you're depressed and you've been hit by crazy things. And you might remember a, a verse in that moment that God is my refuge and strength. He's my ever-present help in times of trouble. That I don't need to fear even if the mountains give way and they fall into the heart of the sea because you are my God. I can be still and know that you're still. And so you have these verses that maybe you memorized. I memorized that when I was a kid. And man, it has paid dividends because I, I saved it into my brain and it's been there um, and scripture has, has helped me in those times. So don't just, if you go to the Bible and you're like, nothing happened, I don't feel really good about it in this moment. Yeah, you might not, but you might be saving and investing in a future you. Does that make sense? So not an ATM debit card, it's a savings account. So that, that's one of the ways that I had read it wrong. The third thing is called the pinball approach. Pinball. Um, dude, pinball is awesome. Is there a strategy to pinball? Zero strategy. Hey, this is a strategy. You can talk to him after. But really, it's like, and like you end up doing really good with pinball, and you don't really know why you did. You're just like, I don't know. And then they give you like even more like things, like more balls, like fly out. And you're like, I don't even know. Did I win? I, why are they? They just want me to keep playing, and you have no idea how it happened. Um, and so for a lot of us, we don't have a strategy when it comes to reading the Bible. We just say, oh, okay. Today, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of a thousand. Wow. Okay. And then you go, to, you go to a scripture, and then you're like, okay, cool. That's my scripture for today. And then the next day, you just flip somewhere else, and you say, okay, they shall make an ark of a, a sea of wood. Okay. That's really good. That's good. And we just kind of pinball back and forth around in the Bible, and every single day, we just pick a different place to read. Um, the problem is the Bible wasn't written this way. The Bible is 66 books, and, and when you write a book, it's like I love why well, I nerd out on all these Marvel movies, and I, so I listen to all the, um, the Russo brothers who produced Infinity War, and Endgame is coming up. It's the finale, we'll see, of the, uh, the superhero. Uh, it's all been leading up to this. Um, and I love listening to, okay, why did you add this to the story? What was going on? Why did you pick this lighting? And they go off for like two hours, and everyone's like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and we, we hear that the, the authors and producers of Infinity War had an intention behind everything they were writing, and it all was supposed to tie together in this way. And sometimes we, we don't read the Bible, like when we read Luke, we don't read it um, like the authors wanted us to. They want us to watch it from beginning to end, not pick something else in the middle. Um, I'm not saying we can't just like, like, sometimes we take verses and we memorize them, and that's cool. And in this series, I've even been giving you verses taken out of context, because um, this is called, we're doing something that's topical. So we're seeing what does the Bible say about a topic, and that's the Bible, and that's cool. But most of the time, we should be reading books of the Bible from beginning to end, not just picking something out. Um, does that make sense? So don't do the pinball approach. You should actually like read uh, a big chunk. Don't just take something out of context. Because um, we don't do this with even like our math book. What if you went to algebra, and first day, you're like, okay, chapter 5. That's good. Okay. The next day, chapter 8, right? You'd be super confused, right? Because that's not how an algebra was meant to be read. Um, in the same way the Bible is like that. We treat the Bible with less respect than we do to our algebra books. And often we're like, how do we read? How do we read? A lot of the things with reading the Bible, we know how to read. We know how to read it. We should read it thoroughly. We should read. We should ask what was the author trying to intend. Um, so that's the pinball approach. The next thing is the magic eight ball, which is so, a super 90s thing. Um, and what you would do is you'd shake up this eight ball and you'd say, should I date Susie? Is Mark the one? Right? You'd shake it up. Um, where should I go to college? Actually, you can't. It was like yes, no, maybe questions. You couldn't even ask that. Um, and a lot of the time we do this with scripture. Have you guys ever done this? Where you, okay, God, what should I do in this situation? You just kind of open the Bible and found a verse and then, and then okay, 
you know, should I date Mark or should I date, you know, Jack? You know, and then you go to some verse like, Moses assembled all the congregation of people in Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded them to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have Sabbath. Okay, so six days. I've known him for six days. Um, Jack's the one, right? We do this like weird thing with the Bible. The magic eight ball. Um, the problem is actually in scripture, it, this is kind of like what the psychic does. If you ever go to a psychic, which you shouldn't, that was a weird, don't go to a psychic. Actually in scripture, um, scripture condemns people who um, try to do this like psychic sorcery type thing. And actually like in the Old Testament, the, the, like if, if you practiced that, you would be stoned. So like the Bible takes it really seriously that, you're, that we're not supposed to like make these predictions about stuff like that. Um, and so sometimes we shake up the Bible and we try to do that. Um, but the Bible isn't always just about you getting information about your little things. It's not, okay, well, who should I date? Who should, you know? The Bible isn't really concerned about telling you all the what. What should I do? What should I do? It's telling you who you are. It's not always the what answers. There are books like Proverbs that, like, don't go into debt. That's a pretty specific what. Um, but it wants to give you who you are, your identities in Christ. Um, and it wants to point you towards who God is. And we make the Bible this magic eight ball, and it's not a magic eight ball. And Jesus doesn't just point and say, that's the way. He says, I am the way. You want the answers, come to me. You spend time with me. And then out of that, you can find um, in every moment what you're supposed to do. So that's the magic eight ball. Last thing that I did a lot um, was the telephone approach. And you guys might not be into this now, but there's going to be a time where you're super into it. Because you go into a Christian bookstore, often they, they're like all going out of business now. Um, but you, you go online and you see all these Christian books and they're amazing and they have awesome titles and I love buying books so I buy a ton of them. Um, but sometimes we do this in our faith where we read something about someone who read something and about someone who read something who read the Bible. Or even when you come here, you're hearing my perspective on this time that I have spent in Scripture. That's why we want you to bring your Bibles. Because we want you to call me out if I'm saying something that's not in the Bible. It's not Joel time where I'm making things up. I'm trying to point back to Scripture. Um, and so sometimes our faith is just kind of based off of other people. Well, Susie told me this verse, and she had gotten it from this book that she was reading. And that book referenced this author, Tim Keller, who referenced Paul, who was referencing Moses. Or like we have this weird telephone game that we play, and we need to go to the source of it and actually read scripture. Does that make sense? Yeah? We should read the Bible. Um, cool. That's a telephone approach. Now we're going to go into um, how, okay, so those are bad ways. Actually, first of all, let's pause. I want you to look down at these five different bad ways to approach scripture. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I've actually never read the Bible. Totally cool. You haven't done anything wrong yet. Um, <laughs> great. So I'm not going to. Okay. Well, that's, that's different. Um, so turn and talk to someone next to you and share. Um, do one of these resonate with how you maybe approach reading scripture or you thought that you should approach reading scripture? Um, so turn to somebody right now. Turn to one or two people and share. All right, so, so how do we approach the Bible? Here, here's the plan. Um, I'm going to spend like five, seven minutes on this, and then we're actually going to practice uh, reading the Bible. It's going to be wild. Um, um, so the, how, how do we approach the Bible? The first word is perspective. Um, when, when God meets Moses in Midian, he, Moses had, had run away for, he'd been there for 40 years, and it's the scene everybody's seen in the Prince of Egypt where the, you know, the bush is on fire, 
uh, and Moses stops, looks over, goes over to the burning bush, and um, the burning bush is a theophany, which just means like an appearance of God, um, so God is speaking through the burning bush and tells Moses, you are going, I got, I'm going to use you, you're going to go and rescue my people, you're going to go deliver my people so that they can go and worship me. Um, and so God's people had been in slavery for 400 years. God is sending Moses to free the slaves in Egypt. And Moses is freaking out. And he's like, he, he basically says no, which is funny because we think if God were to speak to me in an audible voice, then I'd follow him. It's ridiculous. Like, Moses shows us it's not true. And so he, he basically says, like, um, I, I, he, he says this, I'm not eloquent. How many of us have thought that? Like, God has told you to do something. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm not, I, I'm not the right person. They're going to think that I'm being this, you know. Um, and so Moses feels, thinks the same things we think when God nudges us to do something. Um, and he, here's the thing. God doesn't respond to Moses and say, Moses, you're great. Moses, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Moses, I love you. You can do it. You're my child. He doesn't respond by puffing him up. He responds, and he says this. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you that you shall speak. And then later he says, I am. Tell them I am sent me. Tell them that the, the one who is and who will be, the one who is in charge of all creation, I'm sending you. And over and over again, Moses says, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And God says, Look at me, look at me, who am I, who am I? And when we open the Bible, because the Bible is our burning bush. If you want to hear God speak, open your Bible. John Piper says, if you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. I love it. Um, God, where are you? Why don't you speak to me? The Bible is our burning bush. The Bible is our burning bush, and we often open our Bible and we say, what about me? Who am I, who am I, who am I? Um, and the first thing the Bible wants to tell you is, who is this God? Because who you are gets wrapped up in who he is. So the Bible is for you, and it is for now, but it's only because it's about him. Does that make sense? You get wrapped up in his story and who he is, and then he tells you who you are. So when you open the Bible, the first thing you need to know is the Bible is about God. You are not the main character. The Bible is concerned with the God who is king, who is ruling over all creation, whose kingdom is advancing. Not always about your dating life. Does it speak to those things? Yes. But does it call you to other things that are greater? Yes. Um, the Bible is about God. We need to change our perspective on the Bible. Um, the second thing is presence. You read the Bible differently than non-Christians read the Bible. This is why you can like watch Discovery Channel and there's all these people who are like, the Bible, I mean, like, yeah, the Bible wasn't true. And like, you can just see it because they have a, a unique perspective that's informing them. Thomas Jefferson has a unique perspective that's making him cut out all the Bible. Um, we read the Bible differently. There are some people who approach the Bible, this is what Thomas Jefferson did, where he thought miracles couldn't take place. He'd already assumed nothing supernatural can happen. So he approached Scripture, and he took out all the supernatural things. Um, and so he didn't have the Holy Spirit as a part of his reading of the Bible. We, as Christians, read the Bible differently because the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible. Um, the Holy Spirit is able to, um, the Holy Spirit moves through the Bible to our hearts. Um, so this is why this week, if you were doing the reading, who did the reading this week? Cool. The numbers have been cut in half. Um, hey, if you haven't started reading with us, we'd love for you to join us. We're on this journey of opening our Bibles. So every week there's a different word of the week. This week is engage, and it talks about how we can engage the Bible. 
there's verses for every day. These are at the door. Also, if you turn your sheet over, there are the verses on the back and also some questions that you can journal with. So if you are on the fence or have never started or want to continue, uh, that's for you. Um, but one of the things this week, um, if you guys read today four, I think, it was talking about um, different verses that you can pray before you open your Bible. And all the verses had to do with, um, all, they all had to do with Scripture. So God, would, would your word um, be like a double-edged sword? Would, would it pierce my, my soul? Would, you, uh, would your word be living and active? And, and so basically what those verses were trying to do is they were trying to get you to re- recognize that the Holy Spirit needs to be present. So you need to pray before you read the Bible. Otherwise, you're just reading Harry Potter. Um, cool. The Holy Spirit um, brings God's word to life to change our lives. Okay, um, last thing, and then we're going to give some practical advice. Um, third thing is practice. You need to practice. Um, here's the thing. If you don't, here's the first step. I call it step zero. If you don't find a time and a place to read the Bible, you will not read the Bible. If you've noticed, you don't get the same feeling you get when you read the Bible than when you're on Netflix and or when you're on Instagram. Like, there's no, there's nothing pushing against you when you're on Netflix. Or like those Facebook videos, I don't even know what those are. But I was talking to someone this week, and like the videos just keep playing and playing. And you just like, you got to have someone tear you away from that because you're just so in it. There's something about the Bible that when you come to the Bible, you're going to be hit with spiritual warfare. You are going to be attacked. You're going to be like, oh, your friends are all going to text you at the same time, right? You're going to be distracted. You're going to say, this is hard. I don't understand it. You're going to say, there's feelings in my heart that are starting to come up that I didn't notice that are there. And I'm starting to feel more anxious as I read the Bible. And you're like, therefore, I won't read the Bible. Here's the thing. You are being attacked because the enemy knows that if you can get this word in your heart, then you can have a foundation of confidence. And if you can get this word in your heart, then the devil has lost. The devil's already lost, but he's not going quietly into that lake of fire. Right? He's still he's fighting for it. He's trying to take everybody he can um, with him. And so we need to find a time and a place and know that it's going to be hard. And if you don't find a time and a place, and if you haven't decided as you leave here, you have already lost because you won't do it. Let's be honest. Right? If I don't decide, I'm not going to have that Chick-fil-A shake. Like, here we go. It's happening. Um, so practice. Because um, there are spiritual realities that are trying to get you to wander um, from God's word. All right. So how do we read the Bible? We're just going to go through some steps, and then we're going to practice this. Um, this is all about comprehending. Some people say when you open the Bible, what do you observe? I don't love the word observe because it kind of means that you might see something different than someone else. So comprehend means I want to try to figure out what the text is saying. And that has nothing to do with you yet. Okay, application is how does it apply to you. Comprehension is what is the text trying to say? And so what, here's questions you want to ask. Um, the first thing is you want to read it, right? Yay. First thing, read it. Read it carefully, repeatedly, patiently, prayerfully, purposefully, inquisitively. Read it. Okay? So don't just like read through it super fast or say that you got through it. Um, read it carefully. Um, Second thing, ask the right questions. You want to ask, this is like what you would ask reading any book. Who is talking or being talked to? What is the subject or object being discussed? What comes before and after? Okay, so what, yeah, there's a therefore. What's a therefore, therefore? Don't just take things out of context. What's actually being said here? Um, Where is the activity or discussion taking place? When is the activity or discussion taking place? Why is the activity or discussion taking place? How are people, how are the people involved responding? These are questions that are kind of self-explanatory, but when it comes to the Bible, maybe we get intimidated. Um, so ask these questions. Three, look for, cu- look for clues. Ask, um, what are the key phrases? What are the key words? That's why often we ask, what stands out to you in the text? 
What's the structure? How is it arranged? Maybe you can ask, what's the atmosphere of the text? What does the text feel like? So this week, um, if you read, we're going to have you read a psalm. And in that psalm, we're going to ask you, what is the atmosphere? What is the emotions that are coming out of the text? What is the person who wrote it feeling? Um, that's step three. And then four, consider the genre. Really quick, there's different genres. 66 books. So there are different, um, different genres. There's narrative, which is history and truth and forms of facts, stories, parables, accounts, biographies from theological perspectives. That's like Genesis, Exodus. That's the book of Acts. There's discourse and letters, which is ideas, concepts, doctrines, or facts in logical, orderly fashion, often in the forms of arguments, letters, lectures, sermons, or speeches. So that's Romans. That's Ephesians. That's the Sermon on the Mount. There's poetry. That's like Psalm or Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. No one's smiling at me if you haven't read it. All right. Um, that's prophetic. Um, there's prophetic, which involves the use of symbolic language to uh, reveal or uncover that which was previously unknown, like Isaiah, Daniel, Revelation, big deal, I've already said this, but comprehension of the text has nothing to do with you. It's what is the text trying to say to the people? What was it trying to say to the people who were first reading it? What, what, what's the author trying to say? Why was it written? Here's the thing. If you're in the middle of a Marvel movie, if you're in the middle of any movie, and, you, and you, you come in late, you start to ask, who is the, who's the bad guy? What's going on? Where is this? Right? You've all asked these questions, or you've been that annoying person who's asked those questions in a movie, right? So you walk into it, and you're asking all these questions, and you need to know those questions. Because you need to know, what am I supposed to feel? How, how? And basically, here's what you're asking. How can I enter into this story? Because you want to enter in. You want to feel like you're a part of it. And only when you feel like you're a part of it do you know how it applies to you. This is what we do when we enter the world of the text by understanding what the text was supposed to mean. Um, so again, it's not a win to walk out of here and have some steps believing you can't do it. We want you to think that you can and know you can. So um, right now, we have 20 minutes, and here's the invitation. We are going to be reading John 15, 1 through 17. Um, do we, I think what we'll do is we'll go to our um, small group rooms. I want to invite you. I know it's not a ton of time because normally you'd want more time. But I invite you to spend like 10 minutes reading it on your own, asking these questions. What, why, where, what's going on? And then... If you guys have uh, uh, just th those other 10 minutes, if you could just share maybe some thoughts and observations. And you're like, that's not enough time. Absolutely, it's not enough time. Um, but you can talk outside of high school group. It'll be great. Um, cool. So um, we love you guys. Praying for you. I'm praying that, that for you, again, the Bible would come alive because it's God's love letter to you. Open it. Open it. All right, let's go to small groups. Amen.